Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. everybody welcome back to another solo episode of the nomad strength show i am ross hillier your host and today we are talking about a topic that is actually fairly timely for the beta group test of the nomad way six-week program because uh, as i am recording this this is the topic of the week and i will actually get more into that program uh, at the end of today's episode give you a little rundown because the first class is launching at the end of may uh end of may first week of june um whatever that monday is actually. So I think that actually might be the 31st. Um, but anyways, that is the topic that we the topic we are talking about in the course this week is recovery and all of the things that are important to recovering well so we can continue to train hard, train harder, uh, and eat well and do all of these things that lead us to the strongest, healthiest lives uh, possible. And so what I wanted to do with this episode this week, just because it was really on the front of our mind and the front of a lot of the conversations I've been having this week was just give you the rundown of what my favorite recovery protocols are. And I actually tend to think of recovery as a separate methodology of training. Uh, recovery is not the absence of training or exercise or any of that stuff, as a lot of people tend to imagine it. I think of it as it's, it's another thing that we have to make sure we are actively doing. Uh, and so we're going to go into, I have a list of five or six things that are kind of my go-tos. Uh, they're in no particular order, uh, but I'm going to go through all of them. And then we are just going to break them down, why I love them and why they are beneficial and why you should include them in your routine. Uh, you don't necessarily have to include all these things, but these are just the ones that are my favorites and uh, what I make sure I pay attention to. So I am fully recovered and so I can train hard and continue to get better. So before we dive into the list, if you have not done so, please subscribe on the podcast channels that you listen to, whatever it is, Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, all of those places. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, do all of those things. It actually really does help uh, the show to grow and be seen, especially 
especially on, I think, Apple Podcasts, because that's the biggest podcast platform still, even though Spotify is up there now, but that is still the biggest podcast platform. So if you would not mind taking a few moments and going and leaving a five-star review, a nice, uh, rev- uh, a nice review, if you like the show and subscribe and those things actually, like I said, help the show grow and be seen. So without further ado, let's dive into the my favorite repro- recovery. Wow, that's going to be a tough one to say a few times. My favorite recovery protocols. So the first one I've actually talked about uh, fairly extensively in, in past episodes with even some guests on the show, but it is uh, the cold. Cold exposure, ice, ice baths, that whole thing. Um, there is actually a massive amount of benefits that you get from from partaking in ice baths, cold showers, cold plunges, whatever you want to call them. Um, But a lot of the confusion, because we've been told to ice things for so long for recovery, uh, but there's actually some some research and some things that are that are showing lately that timing is actually very important on when we do this. And what what we've come to understand when it comes to performance and uh, especially when it comes to hypertrophy, which is muscle growth, if you're in a phase of training where muscle growth is your goal, uh, we want to have our ice bath, cold showers, whatever it is that we're using, as far away from training as possible. Uh, Unless we are doing specific stress type training where we're incorporating the ice uh, in doing things like uh, a salt bike, hop in the ice, hop in the sauna, which are things that uh, are are great protocols to build up stress tolerance and those kind of things. But however, for most training and especially with hypertrophy work, muscle building work, we want to have our ice baths, whatever they are, as far away from training as possible, opposite ends of the day if possible. Uh, a lot of the reasons when it comes to hypertrophy specifically is the the whole point of hypertrophy and the, and the methods behind it are it essentially stripped down to its bare bones, inflammation, right? We're, we're flooding certain areas of, of blood and inflaming those areas with blood into those tissues to help them grow. That's kind of the point. We're micro trauma into those tissues when we're breaking them down during training. So we get blood flushed in there to help repair and build back into those new tissues. Uh, so we don't want that process constricted. And ice is fairly anti-inflammatory. So it kind of goes the opposite way of what we're trying to do when it comes to uh, building muscles. So uh, I tend to do it first thing in the morning when I do do it. If I'm training in the afternoon, uh, if I'm training early in the morning, I will do it in the later evening or even sometimes before I go to bed. Turns out that I sleep fairly well when uh, when I take an ice bath before bed. Um oddly enough. However, uh, so that's so that's the deal. You want to take them as far away from training as you can. Um, unless I said it's a very specific protocol. There are several ways to do this. You can go the straight cold shower route, which is the most accessible for everybody. You can just crank the shower to cold, sit there, breathe through your nose, let the water hit your head, the back of your neck, uh, get to a point where it's uncomfortable, push a little bit farther past that point. You can also set up things like ice bath in a chest freezer setup like I've got. I've got a video that I've posted on YouTube about that. Uh, you can also do the black Rubbermaid horse trough tubs, fill them up with ice, water. Um, that's going to be a little more costly because you have to keep buying ice to do that. Or you can go into old school nature, 
right? And just find a creek or a river that's cold and just get on in. Um, the key is to breathe through all this stuff, which is not surprising. You've heard us talk about breathing a lot this week. And actually this week's guest on the Monday show was Harvey Martin. So we talked a ton about breath work and cold. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. If you haven't yet, there's a lot of good nuggets there. Um, and so that's it. That's the that's the first one is the ice for my favorite recovery protocols. The second is the opposite of that, which is the sauna, which we also talked about with Harvey. Tons of great benefits. It's one of the oldest, uh, you, you could call it medicinal type practices. Uh, the Finnish sauna is the most widely known. It's the oldest that we have like structural records of, even though we have records of other cultures doing them longer than that uh, prior to that. Um, but Finnish saunas are a couple thousand years old. Um, but the idea of sweating to detoxify and to recover, there's all kinds of really great ways that you can get into a sauna. Um, I, I prefer a dry sauna and I prefer one that's got wood burning heat. It just is a different type of heat than an electric uh, burner. And that is another one. Harvey has a great protocol for how he he goes through a sauna session to work on specific things. So again, go back and listen to that episode with Harvey. He's got some great nuggets on the ice and the sauna. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. You can also look at Dr. Rhonda Patrick. Uh, she is a fantastic resource when it comes to sauna, heat shock proteins, all of the things that are going on physiologically in our system when we're exposed to extreme heat and how the, and how that can be beneficial in helping to not only recover from training, but to actually help stave off chronic illness, uh, make us just generally healthier. She's got fantastic work and she's a brilliant, brilliant woman. So go uh, go follow her and read her stuff on on saunas. So that's number two. Uh, number three is just plain old, old school stretching. Uh, stretching is one of these weird things that like, man, I don't even know why it happens the way it does, but it, I'm sure it's just the dogma of the way that the fitness industry goes. It's like people just stretched for eons when it comes to health and found benefit in stretching. And then all of a sudden now it's not, I mean, it's just like anything else. Now all of a sudden it's not good for you and it's actually making you worse. And you know what? It's kind of garbage. Just because if it makes you feel better after stretching than prior to stretching and you feel like you're recovering better, then do it. It's going to benefit you uh, just from the sense of helping you to relax. Uh, stretching deeply and deep breathing is going to help activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest function of your nervous system. And if that's the trigger that gets you into that rest and digest state, then it's already going to be more beneficial for your recovery. Uh, you know, whether or not it, it's lengthening muscle tissues or, you know, gaining access to range of motion. Uh, you know, it depends on the methods by which you go through this. And actually, we did a, a, a you know, to reference back to another guest, uh, go back and listen to the podcast with Grace and Strange. Uh, he, we talk a lot about the FRC method, which is essentially loaded stretching and breath work and, and range of motion work, which isn't, you know, what you would necessarily classify as old school, just deep breathing and feeling a stretch in your muscles. However, a lot of the same principles apply. It's just a different methodology. So go back and listen to that one as well. He really breaks down well what happens when we stretch and what goes on in our tissues and our joints when that process happens. But again, if, if the only thing you get from it is that it helps you relax more, then it's already helping you recover, right? So 
even if, again, you're not necessarily gaining mobility out of this specific stretch that you're doing, if that can be your time during the day where you can hop down and and do some stretches on the floor and deep breathe and get ready to wind down for the evening and you're going to sleep better, you're going to recover better as a result of that. So I love just plain old school stretching. Uh, I've been following Ramwad off and on for a while. I actually just started back up again recently just because it's a great guided stretching route. Uh, it's all, I mean, at this point, the library is massive. It's four or five years of every single day of video of stretching, guided stretching routine. Um, deep stretches, holding them for minutes at a time. It's, and it's That's my favorite way to do it. So that's what I follow. Um, just because, you know, it's one less thing I have to try and come up with a way to do it myself. I can just open my laptop, get on the floor and follow along. So I would encourage you to do something like that too. Just make it a part of your routine if it's something that you need to do to help wind down. Um, but it will help. So plain old stretching, third on the list. Again, no particular order. Fourth on the list uh, is also something that we all do every single day, or at least we should do more of, absolutely, uh, is just walking. Get out and be active. Increase the level of your non-exercise activity. This is going to be what makes a massive difference in the way that you recover because... So often we are, and and, and it comes more down to, you know, what kind of job you have, but so often what happens is we'll sit all morning, all day, you maybe we'll get up for lunch and and walk around for a little bit. We sit back down to work all afternoon. And then after work, we we sit in the car to drive to the gym. We we crush ourselves for an hour. Then we sit in the car to drive home and we sit at home when we get home and eat dinner. And then we sit on the couch. So, I mean, literally we're sitting for really probably 10 to 12 plus hours a day and then killing ourselves for an hour uh, and wondering why we're not feeling super great. We need to increase the level of what's called non-exercise activity. And the easiest way to do that is just walk more. There's a reason that that 10,000 step per day minimum is even exists. And uh, Dr. Kelly Starrett, who runs The Ready State, again, if we're talking recovery, great resource for tissue work and all these kind of things. That's actually not on my list, but uh, I kind of couple it in with the stretching thing. Dr. Kelly Starrett and, and the Ready State, another fantastic resource. But he had a really great analogy that made me laugh just because of the way that he delivers it. But the 10,000 steps a day thing is is comparable to the old RDA recommendations of like 2,000 calories a day back in the 40s, like that's the minimum so you don't get rickets, right? Like that's not so we're thriving optimally as human beings. It's like that's the that's the minimum in order to call yourself a human, right? So uh, we have to be more active during the day and and not expect just the, the 45 minutes to an hour of brutally killing ourselves in the gym and then not doing anything active the rest of the day is actually going to make us better. But at the end, it's actually going to make recovery much harder. So the easiest thing to do is just walk. And uh, Anders Varner, who we had on... Oh man, I am just referencing guests today. Go back and listen to all these episodes. They are, they are great nuggets. I'm kind of wrapping up a lot of people's stuff here. Um, Anders Varner, who was episode number one, uh, diesel dad, Anders Varner has a great system that calls the four quarters of fitness in a day. And, uh, one of those things is to walk a mile in, uh, each of the four quarters of a day. So you have six to 10, 10 to two, two to six, six to 10 each day. 
And so if you were to walk one mile during each of those windows, you've obviously walked four miles, but there's your 10,000 steps right there. And when you chunk it down and break something into small pieces like that to make it more, uh, more digestible, more accessible for more people, it's going to be easier to do something like that rather than say, go out and walk four miles today. That will seem daunting to some people. But if we say, hey, walk one mile at 630, right when you wake up in the morning, just get a cup of coffee, take it with you and just go for a walk around the neighborhood for a mile. Uh, then walk a mile at lunch. If you've got you know a call you need to be on, walk a mile at lunch, uh, take a break in the afternoon for 15 minutes, get up from your desk and go walk a mile and then do it again after dinner when you get home. I mean, boom, four miles in your day you've walked four miles and that's huge. And that's going to really help increase your level of recovery by continuing to move things through your lymphatic system throughout the day. And uh, it's just going to clear your head. You're going to be moving more. So you're going to sleep better. And it's just one of the easiest things that you can do. And uh, that kind of leads us in because I brought up sleep into the fifth thing of this list, which is sleep. Uh, We could really do a whole episode on each of these things, honestly. And I have done episodes on a couple of these things, but sleep is the biggest, most important. This is, if I was going to order these, sleep wouldn't be number one. Uh, The most important thing that you're going to do for your health, regardless, I mean, beyond recovery, for health in general, if I only had the opportunity, if I had the opportunity to work with somebody and they literally only could do one thing, if I can only make one change, we're not even talking exercise, we're not even talking nutrition. If I was going to make one alteration to that person's lifestyle to increase their health and only one thing, it would be let's fix your sleep. It's that powerful. And a couple of ways to do this, there are several ways to do this, but uh, there's a term called sleep hygiene, which essentially just refers to the conditions of the area in which you sleep and the process that you go through to prepare your body for sleep sleep. So there's a couple of things that you can do to make those things better and to make sleep easier for you. And we're going after quality sleep here. There's a lot of talk of quantity, you know, the minimum, you know, they say the seven to nine hours, right? Uh, I understand that sometimes that's just not possible. Sometimes you just, you have six hours, maybe you have five and a half to six hours, and, and that's really all you can do. Work, you, you night shift, you have young kids that are up all night long, you know, whatever the case may be. So rather than quantity, we really can attack quality. And the way you do that is by, by improving your sleep hygiene. So I have three things that I like to be like the basis recommendations. If you have trouble sleeping, you're not sleeping very well, we can improve our quality. The first, cut all screens, all blue light devices, including the TV, at least one hour before you go to bed. This is going to help your body adapt to dark, right? And and really it's going into deeper things like circadian rhythm. So the blue light that is emitted from these devices and these screens is the same wavelength of light that comes from the sun during the middle of the day. So as that light enters our eyes, it's telling our body like this should actually, you should be up moving around right now. This is the, the middle of the daylight, right? So you need to be up and doing things. And so that's why 
it can be really difficult to fall asleep when you're staring at a screen because you're you're sending your body mixed signals. So that's why you see people who have things like blue blocker glasses uh, to cut that blue light out. They wear them in the evening, uh, or they just you know they we don't have screens at all in the evening. We let the natural infrared light from the sun at sunset go down, and then after that, it's it's just dark. Maybe we've got some like you know red lamps or something like that in the room. You can really biohack the bejesus out of this um, if you want to go that route. But the simplest way to do it is an hour before you go to bed, cut all screens off. Read a book, do your stretches, uh, you know, play a game, do those kind of things that are going to help you wind down. A board game, something like that, cards, whatever it is. Um, and wind down. Get your get your eyes out of the screen. That's going to help you in a lot more ways than just sleep. However, that's what we're talking about right now. The second thing, Drop the temperature in the bedroom to somewhere between 63 to 66, 67 degrees in there. Cooler temperatures are proven to help you sleep deeper, sleep better. Uh, I mean, if you've ever been up into the mountains and you've slept in camp in a, in a tent or whatever, you realize how well you sleep, even though it got, you know, probably down into the 40s and chilly and you're wrapped up in your sleeping bag. Uh, you slept fantastic. And a lot of that has to do with you know, a lot of other things, just being in nature in general, but the cooler temperatures really do help you sleep deeper. So drop the temperature in the bedroom. Uh, it'll take a minute to get used to. Because a lot of people fight me on that a lot. You would be surprised. And maybe you wouldn't be surprised at how picky people can be about something like temperature in the room. Uh, I'm promising you it's going to help. So that's the second one. And the third one is to make the bedroom as absolutely dark as possible. Uh, we don't want any light coming in from anything, especially weird like red lights from the, you know, if you have a TV screen in your room, that should be off by this point anyways. But even like the red standby light or like phone lights or even, you know, uh, alarm clock lights, like those LED type things, as minuscule as they may sound, they actually do have an effect on your quality of sleep. Uh, if you have windows in your your bedroom, you know, I would recommend getting something like blackout curtains. And if none of that stuff is possible, you can go old English style and get literally like a face mask, like eye covers to, to go over your eyes when you sleep. That will block all of that from coming into your eyes. Even with your eyes closed, that stuff still does find ways in through your eyes. So having it really dark will help, uh, will help you sleep better too. So those are the three we have for sleep hygiene. We have no screens an hour before bed, drop the temperature in the room, and then make the room as dark as possible. You do those three things, I promise you, you will be sleeping better and you will recover better. Uh, so that's the fifth one and the only other one that I have on this list. Um, again, none of these are in order in terms of importance. Uh, but the other one on the list, I, I just put on because it's it's fairly obvious in terms of recovery, but that's going to be your nutrition and how you eat. We're eating good, whole quality foods. We're eating enough food that supports the activity levels that we're, that we're doing throughout the day, whether it's training, whether it's our non-exercise activity. We're eating high quality fats, saturated fats, um, high protein diet. These kind of things are going to help you recover from training, help you sleep better, the whole game. The nutrition thing is pretty obvious, but I, I need to bring it up just because it's the recovery episode. So that's going to be on the list as well. So to wrap all this up, I have six things that we talked about uh, for my favorite recovery protocols. Uh, ice bath slash cold plunge slash cold shower was number one. The flip side of that, the sauna, heat shock proteins, you know, the, the extreme heat exposure, that was number two. Stretching, number three, old school, just stretch and breathe. 
number three. Number four was walking, increase your non-exercise activity. Number five, getting quality sleep. And number six, getting good quality food. And again, none of those are in order. They're all massively important. Sleep is more important than the rest. So if you're going to only work on one of these things, I would say work on sleep. However, if you feel pretty good about your sleep and you still aren't recovering very well, um, you can do a couple work on a couple of these other things, maybe include some of these protocols. The idea with recovery, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, is that this is something we need to actively be pursuing if we're going to actually be recovered. A lot of people think recovery, they just think rest. And when you think rest, your mind tends to flow to, I'm just going to lay down and not do anything for today. I need to rest. Uh, recovery is its own thing. That is something we are actively pursuing in order to feel good. So these things on this list, I mean, there's more things than this list. There's a lot more things that you can do. These are my favorites. Uh, but these things all take, you know, effort and diligence in order to feel good and feel recovered. So make recovery a part of your training program, not something that's the absence in your training program. Okay, so that's all going to be about how you approach this in your mind. Work on these things. I'm, you know, if you have something that works really well for you of this list, let me know. Send me a message on Instagram. Send me an email. Uh, you can do all of these things on the links below in the show notes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, let me know how it's working. Let me know what worked really well. Let me know maybe if something didn't work too. I mean, I'm always down to know what doesn't work. Uh, maybe we can help you out find something that will. So that's the recovery protocols uh, to wrap up this episode. I mentioned that I would bring up the Nomad Way course at the end, I'll do a brief little rundown of that because the first class officially launches at uh, the end of this month. And I'm only taking uh, eight guys at the max. I would prefer somewhere closer to five with each class just to keep it more uh, personable and get higher quality coaching for each of the guys in the class. I'm running my beta group with it right now. They are absolutely crushing this course and this program. And it's really a, it, it's a six-week program that I've created that is the fundamentals of everything that I believe and everything that I teach and I coach. And each week we dive deep into a specific topic. We're talking about, you know, we did nutrition one week. We did recovery this week, which is why I, reco- which is why I recorded this episode. Um, we also do things in the mental capacity, goal setting. Uh, All of these weeks have a specific targeted um, dedication to them. And we have a lot of content, video content, journal work, uh, homework. We do weekly coaching calls with all the guys. We have a uh, community platform that everybody communicates on. And then while all this is going on, you still have a training program that's going to get you uh, lean, strong, feeling great. Uh, we have some guys that are, have lost um, anywhere from six to 10 pounds already in in body fat and are feeling great. And they're honestly, they're just crushing. And I'm really excited when this group is done so I can show you all of the results that they've got from this program. So The first class launches in just over a week and a half. So if you want to be on the wait list or if you want to get in on this, you can uh, send me an email, coachross at nomad-strength.com. Or you can go to Instagram and send me a message, uh, a DM with the word nomad, and I'll make sure you get on the list and and we'll get you away into the program so you can be in that first class. Uh, it's going to be a great time. I'm really excited for this program. It's really kind of the culmination of a lot of the work that I've done for the last five years in the coaching space. And it's just what I've really wanted to put out there. So I'm, I'm really pumped about it. And uh, again, if you, if you want to be a part of it, reach out and we'll get you hooked up. So 
That's it for today's episode. I will see you guys on Monday or you'll hear me on Monday, I guess, uh, with the next guest episode. Have a great weekend and I will talk to you all soon. Mm -hmm.